Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the longest running Bigfoot podcast on Blog Talk Radio. The original Squatch Detective Radio, featuring your host, Steve Coles and Chris Bennett. Three decades of Bigfoot research, two decades of Bigfoot radio. Here we go. 911, what are you reporting? Uh, we got someone or something crawling around out here. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, this isn't a man. And the whole time, the whole thing was shadowing us, right behind us, right on the side of us. You could, you could kind of see the thing moving through the woods. There are thousands of perfect people whose word would be good on any other subject who describe getting a good look at an enormous hair-covered upright animal, and that is a fact. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch Detective Radio for January 13th, 2019. I am your host, your guide, Squatch Detective Steve Coles, along with, well, you know, uh, Father Time himself, Chris Bennett. How are you? <laughs> Steve, man, we're doing, doing good in Kentucky. Finally got a little snow on the ground. It lasted about two seconds. And uh, <laughs> Have you guys got any snow yet? Uh, well, I got about uh, two inches sitting on the uh, huh. uh, on the lawn. Um, that's about oh, it. It's cool. pretty much crusted over, and you can actually probably walk on it, um, you know, yeah. without it actually collapsing because yeah. not much snow. Not much snow. The uh, yeah. this big storm that hit hit in the mid Atlantic didn't hit us at all. Um, so we stayed clear of that one. Um, good. But uh, but it's good to see kite, and uh, we have to give. Kudos to Kite tonight. He actually made it early. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured out. I think I might start getting here about half, about a half hour early, so I can get signed into chat and everything. You know, last week it was no problem. I, I, I popped in, you know, and then boom, it signed right into chat, and I was ready to go before I knew it. And this week, you know, we're still going back. I think there's some gremlins messing around. Yeah, so, uh, I'm talking about. It's like it wants, the, uh, uh, wants me to read all the stuff and, and you know, sign all the uh, – accept all the agreements and, you know, fingerprint here, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think in the uh, near future, you know, like if you have to get, like, Microsoft Office, you have to consent to a rectal exam. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I can see that uh, coming, yeah. <laughs> oh God! Uh, yes, yeah, uh, click here and accept the uh, rectal exam. Okay, you got no pirated software up your butt. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, I'm Man, getting over a little have... bit. Of, getting over a little bit of bronchitis. So if you hear me yeah. mute out for a second, it's because I'm just clearing. Yeah, that's all right, man. I mean, yeah, I can tell you sound a little bit croupy, dude. Just hang in there. Chew up some uh, halls or something. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, really, um, it's been, uh, the last couple of days have been really better. At the beginning of the week, I was like, it, it was horrible. Uh, but anyway, uh, the beginning of the week, I um, I actually did a, um, 
a little series of articles on trail cameras. And uh, how yeah. it came about is I was breaking down the latest trail cam, the hog, the hog squatch, as I like to call it. Um, uh-huh. And we talked a little bit about it last week with uh, Jeff Stewart, but it kind of inspired me to to do a little better uh, breakdown of it. And one of the more interesting things, Chris, that when I looked at this uh-huh. picture, you know, uh, you know, it, people are saying, "Oh, look, there's the face." Well, where's the eye shine? Where's the? Yeah. There's no eye shine, you know, mm. and. So that kind of debunked the whole thing right there, if you look at it from that standpoint, Uh, let alone there's no story and all the other stuff. But I ended up doing a a series of trail camera uh, video, a couple of videos and a a, a few articles. And, you know, people that state they can see, uh, Sasquatch can see in the infrared. And when we get D on the show, our guest tonight, I'm going to I'm going to kind of pose him that question, too. But uh, when, when you know, uh, some people say, oh, we, I, I think they see the trail cameras because they can see in the IR. Well, if you know how a trail camera is built and structured, the, the little bottom yeah. uh, thing that senses the motion is called the pa- passive infrared sensor. And that doesn't right. emit anything. It receives. So, it, yeah. you know, the camera will not emit any IR light until at such right. time it's activated. So that kind right. of debunks that whole notion right out there. And then yeah. uh, Mike Green brought up a fact, researcher Mike Green. He's been on the show a long time ago. Um, he had the uh, the uh, squeaky video. Remember the FLIR video with the oh, Zagnut? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Zagnut. Well, uh-huh. Yeah. And he postulated that, you know, that uh, perhaps – a uh, trail camera can be detected. Maybe it's the electronic or the electronic magnetic frequencies it gives off. And yeah. what I did was, is uh, the first video I show that even though a trail camera is in passive mode, <clears throat> it's still emitting uh, EMF because if you put that K2 meter, which detects EMF fields, up to that up to the area where the motherboard is on the uh, on the camera itself, the trail camera, which is behind the ca- behind the lens, you know, you yeah. do get an EMF reading and a pretty strong right. one. In my last hmm. video, I, I was like, well, okay, if they see that, how large is that field? And guess what? The field only goes about maybe an inch to two inches from the camera. Oh. So, it's, okay. so the, field, the field is not there at all. So that kind of debunked the yeah. whole thing there, too, I think. But yeah, not, see, not a I would have thought. I, I would have thought that the uh, you know the, the trail cams do not uh, emit infrared light constantly because, hey man, they're running on a battery. You know they got to save that for when they actually need it. And they, I'm not sure the motion detector uh, is powered on all the time, but it would make sense to me that you would have the motion detector uh, powered on all the time, and then when it detects motion, then click there goes your infrared on. You know, at that right. time. Right. Exactly. And that's exactly how the, yeah. the trail came. And it very specifically said in, my, in the reading that I did that the passive infrared sensor, which is what detects the motion, um, does not yeah. emit any energy or does not emit uh, any IR light. And the, uh, you yeah. know, the, the K2 test actually confirmed that because I put that K2 meter right up against that sensor, nothing. But the minute I move it up right. to... The minute I move up to the motherboard of the camera, bingo, EMF. But yeah. the field isn't very big. 
I mean, the minute you yeah. step away from that camera, that field is gone. So it's not. Yeah. And uh, if you hear in the background, if you may hear a little thing in the background, I think the cat is having a fight with the dog right now. And vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Cats and dogs, usually, you know. Usually, you know, usually my dog will sit here in the chair during the radio show, and he's perfectly content. But I look down, and alas, he is not in his chair, and I hear some barking coming from the living room. And uh, yeah. that's usually because the cat's in there harassing him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so. normally my cat stays out of sight during uh, showtime, but you know there there have been times when uh, he likes to be famous, and uh, he, he's like a big orange. As a matter of fact, I call him Morse because <laughs> he looks like Morse the cat. <laughs> the cat, and yep. uh, he'll he'll come in here and he's really quiet, and all of a sudden he'll look at me, row, you know, oh my god, quiet down, cat. <laughs> well, you remember that time? Remember the time uh, that uh, the Henry May was on a show and the cat went across his keyboard? Get out of here! The cat. Get out of here! The cat just ran across the keyboard. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I miss I miss I miss Henry. Henry, if you out there, if you or if you hear the show later in the archives, man, call in sometime and holler at us a little bit, dude. I miss you. Yes, absolutely, Henry. Um, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, let, let's talk about tonight's guest. Let's get to the show. Um, oh yeah. Tonight's yeah. guest. Tonight's guest. He uh, hails from Texas, as does uh, Jeff Stewart, just a different part of Texas. Um, uh-huh. And he uh, he actually started a uh, a uh, a group called the uh, Bigfoot Dogman Research Project, and he likes to do cryptids and uh, uh-huh. amongst a lot of other things. And uh, you know, I, I had the honor of being on his YouTube podcast uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. Great, great show. Um, so, uh, and we're, we're going to give him a chance to promote everything that he can promote, uh, right. for his, uh, for his stuff. So, well, uh, without further ado, D, how are you, brother? Oops. Sorry about that. Here I am. Uh, I am doing exceptionally <laughs> well, gentlemen, and I have to make one slight correction because if anybody from my home state hears that, they'll, they'll, they'll crucify me. I'm a native Oklahoma and living in Texas. We right. always got to point Correct. that out. Uh, yeah, I'm a denizen yeah. of Texas. <laughs> I, I was I was having fun just listening to you guys, man. Like y'all are cracking me up. Uh, but, uh, I'll tell your view, your listeners. Uh, like I was telling you, I'm, I'm very selective, and that's not because I'm some sort of a snob. But you know, if I'm going to make a muttering idiot of myself, I want it to be around people I like at least. So that's why <laughs> when you, I jumped at the chance when you said, uh, you know, would you like to come on the show? I'm like, absolutely. I enjoy talking to you. You know, we're cut from the same cloth. A- yeah. Absolutely, and you know, it's kind of funny because I, I got that vibe. When a couple of weeks ago, when I was on your podcast, I got that vibe, and I, I was like, I really like this guy, and. You know he's got it going on, and he's got himself together, and it's re- really fun to fun to talk to you. And uh, I, I just want to uh, make one thing that, that I don't know if you're aware, but uh, when we did the show, Ryan Reading was on the show, and he had his friend Johnny next to him. Mm. And I don't know if right. you know D. Jo- Johnny yeah. had Johnny actually passed away. Passed, passed away last week, very tragic. So, very um, tragic. so our prayers, young man. Yeah, in his 30s. So, our my my prayers go out to you know Ryan because Ryan was you know it's his best friend number one and number yeah. two, 
to uh, you know Johnny's friends and family. And I had the That's honor of meeting Johnny. I, I just saw him uh, in October at the Chautauqua Lake Bigfoot Expo. And, uh, you know, I've seen him every year I'm there. And um, so, it, it, you know, it was a, a jolt to all of us how life is, you know, too short. I mean, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the loss of J.C. Johnson. And uh, wow. I, I, don't, I, I don't even know, D. have you ever had the chance to meet J.C.? Um, no, I never got that privilege before. But, um, you know, he, he was another one, uh, much like yourself, when I first started. Uh, I gravitated towards the people that seemed like they were just completely sincere and they had a rapport with people. Um, yep. J.C. was one of them. You know, he, he, yeah. he, he looked like the kind that was what you heard and what you saw is exactly what it would be if you were to meet him in person. I appreciated that about him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I've had the – I had the privilege of being in the field many times with JC out in the Four Corners area and uh once up here in New York actually. And um you know, a great guy and boy he had a voice for radio. He had that you know, that midwestern accent going on for him, uh, that southwest accent going on for him and and uh, just he he sounded almost like uh to me he sounded like a cross between Sam Elliott and Robert Mitchum. You know, they had that, That's a, that a, a perfect combination to to describe it. Yeah, he had that commanding voice, but he had a little bit of that tinge accent in it, and uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. So, and that, you know, that's I, the I thing. every time every time JT was on, man, uh, every show was always fun, and that's why we you know, we try to make every show fun because yep. uh, you know I I don't want to sit and listen to uh, you know a. Uh, uh, a broadcast that's like, blah, 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 you know, might as well be sitting in the yeah. library, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I, like I, 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 I had enough of that in, in college, you know, listening to the professors yeah. drone on. <laughs> right. You would turn yeah. in your page to chapter four. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and JC you know, was always fun. Man. We we can run this like a PBS documentary. Oh, yes, look across the plane as we see the Sasquatch slowly strolling across the grass. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, There's Digger. Uh, hey, Digger. Hey, how are you, Digger? <clears throat> so our, our our two resident chat chatters are on, and uh, welcome, guys. Yeah. Dig, you're late, but believe it or not, and, and dig, you're late, but guess what? Kite was actually early. So, uh, you know, yeah. again, yeah. we have to give him a little <laughs> round of applause for that. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, so, Dee, tell All us right. a little bit ab- yeah. about ab- ab- yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this crazy business of ours. All right. Um, for those who don't know, I had an experience close to three and a half years ago, I believe. Um, I started looking into the paranormal and the supernatural uh, just for my own amusement and. Uh, my own personal knowledge and in Brown Springs, which a lot of folks have heard of and experience with uh, two Sasquatch, though we think there were more and more showed up in the footage that we got. And uh, we approached this group unbeknownst to ourselves. And I got a bluff charge and was ended up being face to face with what I came to know as the alpha female of this group. And I was hooked from then on. You know, I, I, I sold my Xbox. Um, football wasn't fun anymore. 
I just mm-hmm. dove headfirst into it. And uh, I was lucky to have a gentleman named Kirk Stokes, who's a fantastic uh, dogman researcher. You know, he, if, if you're searching for dogman, you're also a Sasquatch investigator. You know, there, there's no delineation yeah. in my eyes between the two. They occupy the same places. But he, he kind of uh, was my Obi-Wan Kenobi and helped me get my bearings in this field. And uh, I, I, I would be lost today without him because he prepared me for, as you two know, there are uh, other folks out there who whose intent in this field isn't necessarily forthcoming or or uh, for the people. You know, I'm 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 like I'm like you, bro. I'm I'm a man of the people. Like I, everything that I have, I'm completely forthcoming with the information that I gather. Uh, this is an all inclusive field for me. So yeah, it started. And, Actually, it was by accident. I was going down to film because it was a scary, haunted area, quote-unquote. So I was going down to get some B-roll footage that I could incorporate into a uh, scary movie because there was this – I went to North Central Texas College at the time, and there was this contest, $500 prize for anybody who could put together the best scary movie, like a scary short movie. And I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a shoe in Grew up on horror films, you know. I, I'm pretty good at editing. And – uh as we were down there, I was hoping to get, you know, some bats flying or something like that, a bird coming from a bush, deer or something, because it's an old-growth, twisted forest. It just looks medieval. But uh, instead, we found these elusive creatures. Wow. So so tell us, uh, you came face-to-face with it. So you got a good look at its mug. Yeah, the alpha female. She, it was, it's in a, a floodplain, and... Um, it's a raised area like a hill that leads into another floodplain because, you know, there's elevated areas for when the river overflows. It'll flow into the first floodplain and the second. Well, on the first floodplain, which is a little bit deeper and more of a steep drop-off, there was all this movement. And um, I didn't know until after the fact, but mosquitoes, I guess, are attracted to RH negative blood. It's like Kool-Aid form. And I, it was my it was my girlfriend at the time, and uh, her three sons and my daughter, and you just get that eerie feeling that I know now is attributed to the, these creatures being around for whatever reason, and they're all slapping my back and stuff, and I'm like, what's what are you doing? They're like, Dad, you're 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 full of mosquitoes, you're, and I took my shirt off when I got home, and like it looked like I was shot in the back. Um, <laughs> we walked into a wall of flies and mosquitoes. And uh, on the other side of this floodplain, there was a little, uh, like a little faint growl. And this thing, like it was, it it was like it was shot from a gun. It was what I call the teenager. He was about my height if he would have stood up. But he came Mm. over this floodplain, over this hill, and under this row of like bramble bushes underneath them, like popping up roots Mm. and everything. And he was within five, six feet of me, staring up with his with his hands turned inwards and his elbows up. And his uh, legs were spread apart. I almost looked like a spider. I'll never forget it for as long as I live. And as soon as he did that, he showed me his teeth. I looked down at him, and he pushed himself backwards over that embankment the same way he came. And uh, they all saw this, right? So I'm motioning for them to go back down the trail to go to the vehicle. And I don't think they wasted any time. But uh, as I heard them walking away, I moved a little bit forward because I saw something that's not supposed to exist. And I didn't feel yeah. any fear from it. This is the thing about it. And I don't know why. But I didn't believe that it was, at least subconsciously, that it was going to do anything to me. Like, my, my, my heart was elevated. Don't get me wrong. But uh, 
I took a few steps forward, and I look over, and I see this black bush. It was dusky dark, and uh, it just it was way too too much light out for this dark for this dark bush to be as shadowy as it was. And I noticed mm-hmm. these things glistening off of it, and they were eyes, these giant eyeballs. And it, as I focused in on it, there was a face. It was it was what I know to be the alpha female. When I looked at her, about three or four months after uh, talking to Kirk about the experiences, I came to the conclusion that it was the alpha female. And we saw her again or, uh, coming across the trail about a year later. Um, looking into that thing's eyes was scarier than being bluff charge because there was nothing but pure indifference. She didn't care about me. Like, I, I just felt like if she wanted to, she could have just ripped my head off right then and there and been done with it. Went back to wherever yeah. she came from. Uh, she had a very thin nose, a thicker upper lip, and her eyes were almost almond-shaped. Um, and, and it's not a race thing, but I, I like to compare them to Asian eyes because that's what they look like. She, she had Asian, exaggerated caricature Asian features. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, D, would you characterize that as like a, a dogman type of creature, or more or less like an ape type creature? No, this was this was the this was the uh, I wouldn't classify it as either one really. This was a straight up uh, what we would know to be a Sasquatch, but her her features were more humanoid. Mm-hmm. Like when I when I say the Asian eyes, she her eyes were far, way spread apart. Her mouth almost looked like it wrapped around her entire head. Um, yeah, even though her mouth was closed. And she had a thicker upper yeah. lip than uh, her. This is, I don't know why this sticks out in my mind, but her upper lip was thicker than her bottom lip. Yeah. And she just stared at me. You know, um, her hair, she didn't have any hair on the face. It was like a grayish, but it was, like I said, it was dusky dark, but it looked gray to me. I, yeah. I can't attest yeah. to that, you know, with absolute certainty. But her hair almost looked like one of these chicks that wear the uh, the hoodies with the fur type stuff on it. It was just wild right. and stringy you know, uh, around uh, yeah. from where her hairline started all the way around. Um, and that's all I saw. I, I, there didn't seem to be a neck because I saw her collarbones. But I could have been standing Ooh. there for days. You know, we were staring Dang. at each other for what seemed like an eternity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, uh, D, did you notice any kind of scent? Because sometimes, you know, uh, people report uh, – that they have a strong odor, and other times, you know, like I've had the same experiences. Uh, sometimes there'll be a strong odor, and then uh, you might uh, see one, you know, a week later, and there's no no scent at all. You know, uh, well, that's a very very good sort of. You know, the only sort scent of that I can smell is um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever worked on like a farm or a ranch or with cattle, but it just oh, yeah, it smelled like it smelled like cattle. It smelled like animals that live outdoors. You know. Um, Right, right. But it was it was very very faint. Like when we got to this area where it was just this wall of mosquitoes and flies, is when I began to smell it. But there was no, and I I know exactly what you're talking about. The just the, mm. the smells like pee and you know an unchanged yeah. diaper is just a, a death. Yeah. The smell of death. I've only smelt that one right. time in this in this same yeah. area in the past almost four years. So I, yeah. I wonder about that. Is that I, these things are extremely elusive, bro? And that. I mean, yeah. maybe you can give me some insight into it because I'm always learning. I don't understand why they would walk around smelling like yesterday's news if they are the most elusive <laughs> creatures on earth. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. 
that that makes no sense. Like you know, I'm I'm sure they're smart enough, and I don't think we give them. But I I know I don't give them enough credit, and I give them a lot, enough credit for their their in, intelligence level. You know, and if I'm smelling yeah. like I just rolled out of a nursing home after not being clean for a couple a couple of years, I would say, yeah, let me go run and jump in this river for a couple of minutes. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that I couldn't understand either because, uh, you know, especially, you know, they're they're all – it seemed like they're always stick around uh, a flowing body of water. And yes. uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you'll get – I guess maybe they're like people. you got some people or some creatures maybe cleaner or have better hygiene than others. I don't know. Or whether it's that, uh, that musk scent. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I some, think uh, that's creature. it, bro. I think mm-hmm. there's a, you know, and you know, I can't prove this one way or another. It's a theory. Like Steve will tell right. you, I, I love my, I love to hypothesize, but gorillas yeah, mm-hmm. have a gland in their armpit that can secrete yeah. an odor, and, and within that odor is yeah. a pheromone. Yeah. And we don't know where they fall on the spectrum. You know what I mean? I, I still consider them to be a beast, but right. the ones I saw look very much humanoid. Um, mm-hmm. But they are giant hair covered beings. So. Do they mm-hmm. have this gland in their armpit? Because what you're describing, I smelled once, and God Almighty, it, it took my breath away. Yeah, yeah. It, it was only one hey, time well, in the same occupied area. Now, I, I have a I, let me let me pose a little uh, question. Um, you know, there isn't a lot of people. Usually, I, I would take it that there aren't many apple orchards anywhere near there. Um, no, sir. And the reason why is, you know, uh, when I was uh, writing my, my, my second book, I had found uh, – I, I because we had so many sightings near apple orchards up where we are. We, You know, when you, when you have yeah. the Brian Goslin sighting, the police officer sighting, that was near apple orchards back when – in 76. That was – it was an apple orchard within a mile or two of the place. Uh, we have the, the flap we had in 2006 in Whitehall, New York on the side of where the, the, the newer apple orchards are. Um, the New York uh, the New York Baby video, that was taken, and behind there is an abandoned apple orchard that still has these apple trees. And in my research, I found that, uh, you know, I wanted to see what the calorie, first, I, it was just, just passing fancy, and uh, I was like, let me get the caloric uh, count for an apple, and it, it's about 65 calories, whatever. And I was reading about, well, I wonder what makes them uh, break down. Because if I, I, you know, in reading Chimps of the Mogambi by Dr. Jane Goodall, Fantastic. We, learned that, we learned that she habituated the chimpanzees by using apples. But she noticed that after a while that the chimpanzees would let the apples ferment and they were taking the rotten apples before they would take the fresh ones. And that was because they were giving them a buzz uh, because of the alcohol building up in the apples as they were rotting and fermenting. Um, and the interesting thing about that is is the chemical that breaks the apple down, I believe it's called ethol. And in its pure form, it smells like musk. So is it possible, uh. like if we eat a lot of garlic... Or we eat a lot of onions. Mm-hmm. We tend to sweat that. I'm just wondering yeah. that, at least in the in the North Country where we have, there are apple orchards, does a Sasquatch that has a very apple rich diet produce this musky smell because they're sweating it out? 
Um, well, uh, that's that's a good that's a good hypothesis. But I'm in the deep south, you know, and right, there's not right, right. very many apple orchards. But there are uh, these uh, muscadine berries, to yeah. which you know they they could go through the same process. But exactly. I, it, the, the, when I smelt that odor, I just don't think that it was. Uh, something of happenstance like that or something that can occur because of a diet. Th- this seemed like it was centralized and intense. You know, I, right, yeah. I, I held my breath for a little while because, I mean, it, it, it was crawling within my lungs, you know. It, it, yeah. it, it smelled of death and rotten meat and, and pee yeah. and dookie. And, and I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like a regular garbage can. And uh, yeah. the tr- truth, be, truth be told, when I – had gotten the Ford and cast uh, just before uh, we had found the trackway. Um, we had gotten hit by this odor that came and went. We heard a, uh, one of the researchers heard a, a growl or a grunt. And then we heard a ton of movement and it kind of went around us. So we went in the direction where we heard the movement to look for a track line and we found a track. So we stopped. But while that was going on, we got hit with this tremendous odor and, you know, I have been up in that research area since 2000. It has been 19 years of researching that area, and I still do there. I still go there. And in 19 years, the only time I have ever smelled that was that one time. And the next wow. day, the next day, about a half mile away when we were following the track line. Because we had kind mm-hmm. of, uh, we had found a trackway. And then the trackway broke off into harder ground. So I started tracking it through breaks in the bushes and going deeper and following it where it came from. And then, boom, that smell hit us again. And it was nowhere near where we found the original, where we had the ink, the, the smell the first time. So, and again, quick, it was there, and then it just disappeared. And um, <clears throat> never ever again have ever smelled that even going back to that area have never smelled that again that so, gave me chills like 19 yep. years you know but so it, it almost plays to the point that it's something that they can control in, in my mind I, I'm someone who goes by my gut you know and it, it, in, in the situation that I did smell it it was um, myself and a, a friend of mine who is, doesn't have anything to do with this subject um, but his uncle his great uncle rather was what they called the last great medicine man of Oklahoma. His name's Buster Nett. There's been songs written about him, um, books. So he, just, he, we both grew up inundated with, with the legends and the folklore and the oral traditions. And he said, Dee, let me go down there with you next time you go. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And we went through there, and um, there were these guys who were hunting. They were set up for hunting. I, don't, I never saw them actually actively hunting. But, you know, they had four coolers out, uh, uh Three of them were, you know, just full of ice, and, you know, the other one was uh, had some food and some drink, and they were under this uh, uh, canopy chopping up onions. So it was obvious what they were doing. They're out there poaching. And we went in about a mile and to this active nest. It was an active nest at the time. And you could see the eye shine from the adolescents within. And I'm like, man, these guys are going to be out here shooting that movement, and they're, they're going to cause themselves a situation. So we at th- at that point I didn't feel comfortable even being out there. I didn't want to be a part of anything they had going. So we left, and on the way out is when I smelt that um that odor. Now I don't know gotcha. if this plays into it at all uh, with the pheromone thing, but when we got mm-hmm. back home, 
uh, my friend was laughing at me saying that I was basically giving these guys a third degree, asking a lot of questions. And he said, well, they're probably going to pack up and leave because you're grilling them like you were a plainclothes officer. And I was like, man, could that have been – because I'm not going to do that. A, a bunch of armed men, you know, just walk up to them and start yeah. asking them imposing, imposing questions. I'm like, do you think that if they do have an, a, a gland in their armpit that can secrete some sort of an odor that contains a pheromone, that maybe that female was out there somewhere and she saw that I was a little bit perturbed that, you know, after I saw that nest full of adolescents, maybe she hit me with a pheromone. Who knows? Which mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's a lot of speculation. Don't get me wrong. But well, an attitude say, thing man, is that's, that's all we can do is just uh, <clears throat> postulate and speculate, man. That, that's about it. <laughs> right. They, yeah. uh, they they do what they do, and, you know, we don't really know why. We can try to figure out why. That's about all we can do. But uh, we, also, D, I wanted to ask you, before I forget, man, when you had your encounter, did you experience any sort of uh, weird uh, sensation around your ears, like a flutter or a uh, – uh, like a hummingbird in your ear or something that's, or anything no one's like ever that. Asked me that no one's ever mm-hmm. asked me that before. That's weird. Like it, it, it there was a ring noise. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <coughs> so something was going well, on with your ear then. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was, it was a mild discomfort, you know, yeah. um, much like when a plane hits that altitude and you, you get that little bit of buzzing and they pop. Uh huh. Yeah. But I, I didn't think anything about it. No one's ever asked me that, and I've never even mentioned well, it before because I thought it was it, an it's something to think about. Yeah, if you haven't thought about it before, you know, uh, try to sit back. I know it. It's hard to go back to the moment and remember every you know minute detail that's that's happening. But uh, if you could think back on it a little bit, you know, and and try to try to remember, you know, about the. If you felt anything weird, or of course you already, uh, you know, you smelled something weird, but uh, right. you know that 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 flutter, uh, weird uh, sensation in the ears, you know, that's that seems to be about a fifty-fifty deal. Half the people I talked to said they had some discomfort in their ears when they had their experience, and the other half said, "Oh, I didn't really notice anything." But uh, some of those that I'm I'm, I'm going to say that they were uh, uh, the ones that didn't feel any discomfort. They were quite a distance away from the subject that they saw too at the same time. So mm-hmm. if they was doing if they were doing something to them, you know, it, it might not have been close enough to, for them to get the the full reaction from it. But, that is uh, very it, interesting. It, uh, I've I've had other encounters where it's that same thing, but it it, it seems so minute that yeah. you know I, yeah. I, not that not that occasion specifically, but there was another one where it was just a little bit more intense. Um, yeah. I went out with a few researchers that I just met, and uh, yeah. we all. I asked them, "Are your ears popping?" And they said, "Yeah, that's weird." Yeah. And then, you know, of course, yeah. that all-encompassing silence—like no crickets, right. no cicadas. Yeah. As yeah. soon as we passed this threshold, it was just a silence. And I, and I, I, I don't know why I asked them because it only happened that one, maybe two times before. So I didn't really uh, take it into account, but they said that they experienced the same thing. But it, it, there wasn't like it wasn't a pain or anything like that. It was just a yeah a change, like you know that small buzzing noise. Yeah. Well, what do you what do you think have, that is? You know, I, I'm not sure, and and I would have discounted it uh, had it not been for my friend's son. Uh, me and my my friend and his son were out. 
looking around, and we 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 came up on a uh, uh, a bunch of individuals that were I call it the family group, and uh, there was uh, several three or four individuals like in in a pile, and they were up I don't know how many yards away I can't uh, place it right now not too far away, but something hit the side of my ear like it was a fluttering like a hummingbird you know buzzing in my ear. And I reached yeah. up and swatted my ear, and the same time I swatted my ear, uh, my friend's son swatted his ear. And <laughs> we were facing each other. I swatted my left ear. He swatted his right ear. And the creatures were to my left and to his right. So whatever they were doing, I mean, it seemed like it affected both of us at the exact same time. And, you know, we of course, we kind of, you know, I don't know what if it's infrasound. You know, I know that that is possible. Uh, we don't know right. that these creatures do that, but you know, to me, I thought that was a pretty good example of it. If they do do it, <laughs> I, I felt like I was being the victim of it at that time. Right. That that is and the funny that, and, and the funny time funny. is is when it happened to me, and, it, and you know, yeah. I I can it happened to me like two or three years after Chris had told me about it, and it preceded getting this very ominous. Like, man, it's really creepy out here type of feeling. And I wasn't the only one there. Yeah. I was the only one to yeah. feel the flutter in my ear, like my, my mm-hmm. ear twitching. And that, you know, sounds <clears throat> like the effects of infrasound because infrasound can make yeah. your ears flutter. They can make your uh, – the same thing, they can cause vibrations in your eyes. Uh, right. That's why infrasound can cause you to hallucinate. It can cause you to hear things. It can cause you to feel like you're being talked to when you're not being talked to. It can your body can have a reaction where I got the feeling it's telling me to get out of here. Um, it can give you that yeah. type of reaction and get you the being watched reaction. It can also get you a very creeped Paranoia. out, nauseous yeah. reaction. So, uh, and and one thing I I always predicate this is that it just seems like that every the largest species or the largest of the family members rather in a particular class of animals has the ability to use infrasound. The biggest cats, the biggest dogs, the biggest whales all have the ability to use infrasound. And wouldn't Sasquatch be the biggest primate? And that's what I kind of put it out there as. Yeah. The land whale. <laughs> but all, every, every, everything you described, though, is also a cause of a, uh, a vast change in the electromagnetic field. Mm. We all carry around our own personal electromagnetic field. You know, some people under a, a different light spectrum or a certain light spectrum rather can see this electromagnetic field. A lot of people call it an aura. I believe, and, and mm-hmm. this is just something I've been thinking about for a long time, just because of when you get close to them. Like you said, the close proximity, the strangeness yeah. that comes along with that. Like, you, you know, I've been in the woods with, I, I wanted to be a professional fisherman in my youth. And I've been in the woods mm-hmm. with some pretty big predators, at least in Oklahoma, the ones Oklahoma has to offer, you know, like black bear and cougar. Yeah. But the bugs don't stop when they're around. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the cicadas don't stop doing their thing. The squirrel, everything else will. But when you get close mm-hmm. to these creatures, it seems like everything that's alive except for you and them is completely quiet. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I, I can attest to that. So, I mean, I, I've looked into the electromagnetic field theory. Um, I'm still not 100% sold on, on the uh, infrasound thing, 
just because mm-hmm. I don't understand, they, they would have to be so more at, at, at so much more advanced than what we believe them to be to be able to direct that. Because uh, there, there was this one instance, it's a guy on our not, team not from really. Texas. Yeah, but they, not really because big cats like lions and tigers can use infrasound, and they do use it to paralyze yeah. their prey. So if a cat can right. do it, a canine can do it. Why not a primate, which has a very advanced type of brain? And and they no, I'm, are, right, I'm right there with you. I agree. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but there's yeah. so much more that goes along with it, except for the paralyzed feeling. Like, right. there, there's, it, some people like to attribute, and I'm not one of them, but some people like to attribute some of the cases of the missing 411 where people have been known to take off all their clothes in uh, extremely cold weather and fold them up neatly and walk towards the woods or walk into a part of the woods that they have no business being. Um, it just seems like there's a little bit more that they're doing than infrasound. Uh, it, 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 they seem to have more control over more parameters than, say, your typical lion that's going to use it to do that guttural roar and freeze their prey. You know, make them go into the, uh, uh, make them completely withdraw from the fight or flight instinct and just freeze them in that moment so they can get that killing strike. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, Steve, didn't uh, Billy Willard, he got actually violently ill, physically ill, after he, yep. he well, had I, And yep. that's uh, been uh, some time ago, but... Yeah. Yep. You see, yeah. we, don't, we don't see wildlife, like, you know, throwing up whenever they get hit with infrasound. But maybe, you know, maybe our body, just because of the... Uh, right, right. Our, our, because of our, you know, people feel mind speak, people will see things... Because of our, our brains. Our brains are getting hit with that. We're responding to that. You know, paranormal activity, uh, if you've ever watched the, any, uh, the first paranormal activity, remember that movie with the, the cameras and stuff like that? Um, right. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, uh, the reason why a lot of people that watched it at home didn't think it was very scary, but the people in theaters were horrified, was they actually put infrasound into the movie theaters when they showed that movie. And that's what made people feel so uncomfortable with that. But it's all interpretation. You know, where an animal may just freeze, we don't really know what it's thinking, what it's seeing, what it's hearing. You know, um, you know, but when we feel it, we can, we we can use our speech and, and, and speak about what we were feeling at that time. And I know there's been only a, a couple of times where I have felt really creeped out. And the funny thing is, I was not alone in those times. There was somebody else. Now, I've had, you know, I've had my two real good sightings up in the Adirondacks. At no time did I ever feel that there was anything other than normal animal activity or uh, and that includes us, Homo sapiens. I, I, I feel, you know, there was no magic, there was no apportments, there was no um, a- anything other than watching another one of God's creatures running around in the forest. And <clears throat> that that's how I took it. I mean, I've seen a five and a half foot juvenile, you know, dodging across the trailhead uh, when I got out of my tent. Um I, I've seen an eight-foot one watching our camp when I went out to my car to get some batteries and 
figured I'd have a cigarette and look around, and there it was. And, you know, I've had a number of encounters that my team has encountered of them, you know, basically one or two or three of them, given times, walking in. We can hear them walking in. We start to move out. They move back. We come back in. 20 minutes or so later, they come back again. It was almost like a game to them. So I didn't think they they saw us as a threat. But then again, after coming to the same area at that point for 11 years, I think they kind of got the hint I wasn't out there to be harmful to them. And And I had a specific call and a specific thing I would do every time I would go into that wood line, into those woods. Now, the funny thing is, is that in 2014... <clears throat> another group that got intelligence off of my group went into that area and since then it's been dead quiet. So Because they know. Yeah. They see they see they have an intelligence and, a, and, and an ability of recognition. You know what I mean? Like they're not stupid that's, at all, you know. <laughs> like and, and that's not that is not supernatural folks. That's primates. All. That that is yeah. primates. Primates have that recognition. They yeah. have that, you know. Heck, dogs have recognition when they don't see their owners even for like a year or two. They see their owner that's been fighting a war. They come back and the dog goes crazy. I was just thinking about that. I, you know, just for positivity sometimes because as you two know, like if you stay in the quote-unquote community long enough, you'll see the negative aspects. But every now and then I like to I'll go on YouTube and watch the dogs who see their owners come back from war or come back from the military after yep. a long, and, and they're going bananas. They'll rip, they'll break a chain trying to get to them. Yep. yep. And, you know, and, like and you just said, it could, it could be a year. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, so if they have that level of intelligence, you know, what does a Sasquatch have? What does a chimpanzee have? Yeah. They, uh, when uh, the uh, another thing that I was thinking about when you were talking to Earl, describing your sighting earlier, um, you said that the the female uh, did like a bluff charge on you. No, it I'm was never, actually a I'm, younger male. Oh, the male, the male. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, and and then after it pushed itself back over that uh, over that bluff or that uh, that hill going into the floodplain, right. is right. that's when I caught. I mean, she must have been watching the whole time. Well, was it like a more or less a vocal thing, or did it just like rush towards you and then stop? And before it, it, it rushed up? towards me and stopped about five feet on all fours and looked up at me Ooh. and did like a little growl. Like it wasn't one of the deep guttural growls. Uh, yeah. The the teenager, uh, I call it the teenager because I yeah. mean, if it would have stood up, it would have been my height. It was a young one, but um, it looked up at me and like, and just yeah. that fast, it pushed itself backwards the same way it came. Back over this little uh, 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 bluff. So, wow. Ooh, now well, I've never s- had that happen. <laughs> now, now you saw teeth. Now you saw teeth. You said uh, in your thing. Did yes, you sir. actually see? Now, what, can you describe the teeth? Were they like our teeth? Did they have any large canines? Were or were they kind of? If you were, if round- you were to take your your fingers and put them where your tear ducts are. And bring them straight mm-hmm. down. You're going to be hitting relatively close to the outside of your mouth, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
if you were to take your fingers and put them on the outside of your eyes and bring them down, that's about where its mouth was. And it, it showed its teeth like a dog, but they were, they looked like big human teeth and they were straight. I mean, it looked like it had braces Um, and they weren't like all nasty looking and and they were (laughs) relatively white. I mean, I I don't ever remember looking at its eyes. I looked at those teeth. Right. And and truthfully, and, and truthfully, um, you know, you think about it, they don't really have a lot to ruin their teeth um, because obviously uh, the sugars, they, they don't have any of the refined sugars that we have that kind of ruin our teeth. So, um, yeah. you know, that, that's for, and, and yeah, that makes I, a lot I, of I sense. I never thought because, about that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that, you know, would think that, you know, uh, squatches have like these canines and they really don't, they they shouldn't have to. Um, and that's right. because, <clears throat> you know, we don't take down our prey to kill. We, you know, yeah. we use our hands and our strength to kill normally yeah. or our brains. And our teeth are made more for gnashing and eating rather than, you know, killing. Which, like, that's why dogs and cats, you know, canines and, and felines have those yeah. massive teeth because that's how they hunt. Right. So, good. It's a good point. Yeah, I don't think yeah, our that mouth was, is that was designed. My first I'm sorry. Yeah, go I ahead. Don't, I don't think. Up. I was just gonna say, man. I, I don't think our mouth is designed uh, to be grabbing hold of the prey's neck. Uh, right. <laughs> we're uh, we got hand, uh, you know, hands for that. And uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, so that, that may be the difference. I don't know. Well, you well, know, sounds we, logical we never, to me. <laughs> We never ever have to take down a pizza, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and our mouths aren't that big and wide because we're not carrying around our newborns by the scruff of their neck, you know, but with our mouths. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, uh, a lot of people say that they have a far-ranging sense of smell, and to me, and I want to get your input on this, but to me. That doesn't quite make sense because when we see their noses, they have very flat noses. They don't have a snout. And traditionally, primates don't have a great range of smell. doesn't mean they can't so, smell something and go, hey, something smells off, something smells funny. They just can't sense it from miles away like a bear or a hog can. They go, oh, somebody's cooking something this way. You know, so... I thought about that. I thought about that. And um, I thought the same thing until I started thinking Mm -hmm. about the massive size of their heads. We don't know what's going on in the mechanisms when that nose gets to the nose canal. You know what I mean? Right. So, and and when I go out there by myself, it seems like they're a whole lot closer. I don't have to go nearly as far as when I go out there with someone else. Yeah. So they they, they have well, some sort of understanding that I mean maybe their hearing is just absolutely phenomenal, but we could also and, use the argument that they don't have the ears of of a wolf. Okay, yeah. but here's the here's the whole idea, and I actually postulate that, and this is one of the things, and I want you to I, I want to throw this by you, is okay, and 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 a lot of and a lot of sightings, Sasquatches have no earlobes. Correct? They, nobody ever sees them. 
Well, in effect, what are the functionality of, say, a wolf's ears or earlobes? What's the function of our earlobes? They act as radar dishes. They act as radar dishes. That's why when we talk to somebody, we look at them because we hear best when our when we're looking where we're hearing our noises from, because that's the way earlobes are built for. They come in as receptors, like the like the parabolic mic. They have a big dish on them. That's the yeah. same thing an earlobe functions. It is a funnel in that noise. But if those earlobes are gone, wouldn't that give a Sasquatch omnidirectional hearing. So they yeah. can hear something just as crisp in front of them as behind them. So that's where I really think their talent is, is because the lack of earlobes gives them that omnidirectional. It's like taking the the uh, the dish off the parabolic mic. Now you're hearing things all around you instead of where you're pointing that microphone at. Just that's overthought. a good point. That's a good point. I never really thought about it that way. But you would think, though, if they're getting all that input, how would the brain be able to manage that? But then you could go to, well, look how big the, the crevice of their skull actually is and how much bigger their brain would have to be than ours. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with size of the brain in that matter. Think about the bat. The bat is blind, but it works using sonar. And those signals are bouncing back, and that little brain can make it fly around trees and dodge things that are moving, and they're blind. But they're all doing it with their mind. So, so yeah, I mean, dolphins, dolphins use echolocation to, to maneuver in, in the oceans. So there is a, a number of things science does not know completely about those creatures, let alone, you know, a Sasquatch, you know, interpreting how it can hear things, you know, if it's getting all that, that sensory information from hearing. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's my take. And when, makes, and that's, a lot of, makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> one of the things I've always done is I try to take what's known in science, which comes from animals and mammals and stuff like that, and let's apply this because people say, well, we don't know anything about a Sasquatch. And I stand up and say, we know a lot about a Sasquatch. Number one, it's a primate. It stands upright. Not that the primates have to stand upright, but they have an articulate hands and feet, small snout, large brain. Definition of a primate right there. Yeah. So as we roll this out, there are things that are common to all primates. There's things common to gorillas, things common to homo sapiens, things common to chimpanzees. So my point being is is that we have to put that into the we, – we, we don't know what's you know different for a Sasquatch to a gorilla, to a homo sapien, and, right. and, you know, to a, a orangutan. But we do know what all primates have in common about. That gives us a lot of uh, insight – as to what, and you know, as far as infra- as far as infrasound, you know, people talk about the eye shine and bioluminescence. Well, what what mammal? Well, what primate bioluminesces? Not anyone. What mammal? What, what mammal does? Yeah, yeah, nothing. Uh, you have some invertebrates and some fish that do bioluminesce, but they're in deep. They're usually deep ocean critters. Um, you know, right. you have insects that bioluminesce, but they're a completely different 
you know, uh, classification of animal, uh, of creature. So I can know, see this much, Steve. Is, like from the, the creatures I saw, and I, and I've gotten in arguments with these people that are just completely sure that they have bioluminescence. It's seen them. But look at the size of their eyes and imagine how yes. big the lens behind that eye would be. It wouldn't take that exactly. much ambient light hitting that lens to be refracted back through the eye. You know, um, and, make, and make them appear very bright. Exactly. And, and I, Bright, I, brighter I, I, than the surrounding ambient light, even. Right. Agree, agree 100%. And that's a, that's a point well made and a, and a point I've used in the past, too. Look at the size of their eyes. Um, you know, and the funny thing is, is that there are a dozen species of primates that do have a tapetum lucidum, which is that device in the eye which gives them eye shine. So yeah. it's not unheard of for a primate to have that mechanism. <clears throat> so it's perfectly, um, like I said, the biggest mammals have, you can have the use of infrasound. So it's not out of the realm of science that if such a creature as a Sasquatch exists, that it can use this infrasound. And that's the way I, I've always kind of poised the questions when people start talking about, well, I think their hair can refract light. Uh, what animal can do that? Uh, you know, it, it, you get a lot of these. You get a lot of these. What I call the science fiction, you know, stretches. Like you guys, you've been, you've been, you've been watching the. The, the you know the science mystery theater two thousand way too long, you know it, it, it's let's let's go back to the basics, and people forget. Well, let's the go basics. back to this they, thing being a living creature. You know, right. you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> like that's hilarious because you know it, it's going back to the point you made earlier. We try to give these things attributes that wouldn't be common to an orangutan or homo sapien because they are that much different, but they are some sort of an upright walking hair covered ape like creature. Yep. I mean, everybody exactly. agrees with that. So why should we be giving the, them these supernatural attributes? Like I, be, I believe they can be keel. I don't believe that if I have a 30 out six and I'm unloading on one of these things at close range in the head and, and the chest, that it's going to be able to walk away from that and me not find blood. That's just my exactly. opinion. I'm not calling anybody who's been through that a liar. I, I don't know the parameters and the conditions of that situation. I'm just saying what I know. Um, it doesn't make sense. And I think that right. that comes with the, with the whole us being just naturally fearful because that's what humans are. We're naturally fearful of anything we don't understand. And we've been doing this since time, time in memoriam, you know, like giving these supernatural attributes to these creatures that we don't understand. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know the uh, the, uh, the the amazing ability that we have is to make things more complicated than what they are. And I think that when you have folks uh, talking about you know all these different science fiction, like you know, oh, you can jump through a portal. It's called Zorth. It's you know, it comes off an alien air, aircraft. You have, you know, what have what what we digressed to? You know, and unfortunately, uh, yeah, you know, no kidding. So, unfortunately, social media has blown that up. Whereas I remember the day, and a lot of folks don't remember this day in the Bigfoot research field. Back in the, the when I got involved, it was it was you know the tail end of the nineties. 
98, 99 is when I really started spinning up. None of the, that was such a fractionary, minute opinion. But then with the advent of social media, you create these, um, how should I say, cult of personalities that, and I see this, I see this now every day. Not so much the Zorth guy, but I see, I, I see a lot because he tends to stay in his own group and whatnot. But I see like a couple of people that every time they go out, they have experience with multiple Sasquatches. Not just once, not twice, every day. And, uh, and you know, yeah. And then you have a guy out there that's talking to them and has repeatedly repeatedly taking pictures of the same tree stump just at different angles and posting it up there. Um, I, I just shake my head. And then he thinks he's like the greatest Bigfoot researcher in the world because he can do all that. Well, you notice with most of these guys, and I'll be, I'm, I'm the first one to tell anybody, you know, because I'm a full-time researcher. Sometimes I go out and there's nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm out there eight hours and I'm just having a nice hike. You know what I mean? My time yep. in nature with the Lord. But, these guys, they're they're never humble. That's the thing that gets me. And, uh, Steve, we talked about this on the show that we did on the channel a little bit. There's other stuff out there in the deep, dark, desolate parts of the forest besides these natural physical creatures. And after doing this for so long and talking to people who, I mean, brother, they're crying on the phone with me. They're 100% sincere, but the stuff they're saying, and this isn't to be disparaging, but I, I don't believe it could be attributed to these creatures that I've studied. You know, telepathic exactly. communication, um, yep. um, UFOs in conjunction with orbs th- turning into creatures, turning back into orbs and all that. That's something else going on. Uh, yeah, that, the, yeah, the devil's exactly. a liar. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I honestly believe if he could take advantage of this naturally elusive, what I believe to be a natural creature, take advantage of people's interests. Because there's people that, you know, they they put more into this field than they do into the Word of God or into their families. You know, there's people that have lost their families, turn their back on them willingly because they want to go out and have these experiences. I know you guys have heard stories like that, too. It's heartbreaking. But when you look at them, there's never any kind of meekness or humility to them. They're all, like you just said, Steve, look what I just found this weekend. And nobody else found it. And I'm the leader of this subject because of blah, blah, blah. You know, (laughs) there's something else going on with these guys. Yeah. And and then, and like you said, the people who have these strange experiences, let me, let me just educate. uh, And this is something I very rarely cross over on this show with. Um, you had mentioned these people have this passion to go out, and then they see something, and you said the devil can be a deceiver. But what is one of the forms of a demonic infestation is obsession. So if somebody yes, is obsessed, if something is if somebody is obsessed with trying to find this creature, and it's a true obsession, that is a weakness that the satanic and the demonic can take advantage of. And with they that, will exploit I'm gonna, it with relish. Right. Exactly, and that's that's just another topic. I have, a, you know, if people, I, I don't think my squatch audience knows my other background, but uh, we'll and I'll keep that for another night. Telling tales out of school, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's that's all good. It's all good because 
many people do know what I do. And yes, I uh, I am also a demonologist. And uh, I work with a paranormal. Well, I, I'm a co-founder and currently the director of the paranormal group. So, but you know that's one thing I, that I learned I, fast I, because I, I, I deal in facts, and there was just too many people who seemed to be experiencing the same things I was, but their their the, their experiences though similar. When you put it under a microscope, completely different. Right. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of what the what people some people are attributing to their their sighting or their encounter, they see these creatures do something that a human couldn't do. You know, it's it's superhuman. Absolutely, uh, it it ran away at the, a speed that a human couldn't run. It jumped a distance a human couldn't. Do. It ran up a hill, you know, a forty five degree incline and was gone in like five seconds. And a human can't do those things. Well, you know, nobody's trying to say that these things are human. Of course, they they can do superhuman things. Their muscles are built differently than ours. Uh, you know, yes, I, I'm assuming. I mean, I know they're a lot bigger than ours. <laughs> Low percent body <laughs> fat, like if they have any body yeah. fat whatsoever. You know, I'd be inclined to say that they're yeah. almost 100 percent muscle. Yeah, it's just well, you know, there's a perfectly biological explanation for what these creatures can do. And uh, look, uh, at you know, chim- look at a chimpanzee. Mm-hmm. It is. It is four and a half feet tall, Max, yet they right. have the strength of seven people. Yeah. You know, they are stronger than we are. Yeah. And they're by, yeah, by they're and large. Small. Yes. Yeah, and they're small. I mean, can you imagine what a gorilla can do? <laughs> exactly. You know, and, 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 and imagine one of these things that makes a gorilla look like a, a, an ankle-biting dog. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. right. But uh, I, I think these people, you know, they see these do they see these things do certain things, or like when they disappear, you know, it's just like the song, you know, give me three steps, Mister, you know, you never see me no more. I yeah. think they need about three seconds to be out of sight. They they, they can be gone that quick, and I don't think it's because they're magically transporting somewhere with some kind of wormhole or anything. I'm I believe they're fast. They can move when they want to. And, uh, you know, if anybody's ever tracked these things or, or came across a trackway, if you found a, a spot where one has picked up speed and started running, I mean, that's pretty good distance between those footfalls. Yeah, and look at the, you know, look even, at the Olympic, yeah, an, an Olympian, you know, in, in mm-hmm. the long jump. Look how far they can jump. Just imagine if you had four more feet on them and three, four hundred more pounds of muscle. Yeah, <laughs> that's when people say, "Oh, well, D, you know, I've seen this this thing disappear." The first thing I ask them is, "How close was the nearest tree?" And a lot of them right. say, "Oh, it was like six, seven feet away." I'm like, "Well, did you look to see if there was any damaged branches or any uh, signs?" Yeah. You know. Well, no, I didn't right. think about it. But they're saying that they just disappeared on the trail. They're not thinking that yeah. they could jump to a tree, or like you said, I've right. seen I've seen them in the distance drop down to all fours and bust through the brush. And this brush looks yeah. almost undisturbed, but it is yeah. disturbed. Right. Now, I'm, I'm all for, you know, I'm in the, the, the no-kill camp. I don't think we need to kill one. If one ends up dead on, on a road roadside somewhere, you know, that that's, that's perfectly fine, an accident. Or if you locate a body out in the woods, hey, that would be wonderful. But uh, I, personally, I don't believe you should kill them. But now that's me. And I won't take a shot at one, but now unless it, 
if a wormhole opens up and it's starting to step inside this doorway, uh, I'll take a shot at it because that means <laughs> it's, it's, it's from being something biological to something otherworldly, you know, or perhaps yeah, even yeah, alien. Or, or, yeah, absolutely. You know, but now, as long as they're they're biological, you know, I'm going to keep the gun in the holster, you know, and. and I don't. I don't think. Uh, and of course, I you know I would remove it for in case of an attack, but that hasn't happened. And knock on wood, won't. Right. But, uh, and, and one yeah. thing I want to ask you, gentlemen, and this is what I've been looking into in my personal research here lately. They are big, and they do seem to just disappear, like Jason Voorhees, you know, at Crystal Lake, you know, camp. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've been looking into underground tunnels. Everywhere that I've uh, been, there are nearby waterways, and those waterways and rivers have underwater coves. A lot of times these coves lead to uh, small cave systems. If us three were so inclined and we went to where I go on the Red River, we were to dig in that soft red clay, you give us a day, we could dig 10 feet with our bare hands. Imagine if we were these, you know, uh, eight, nine feet tall just behemoths. Yeah. So yeah, I really do right. believe that they, they spend an inordinate amount of time underground, and I believe that they have – I mean, look what the Viet Cong did. If they could do right. that, just imagine these things. We don't know where their intelligence begins and ends. So I, well, I really do believe that – Here's my only issue with um, – then you could not explain what's going on in Florida with the skunk ape because they don't have the, the ground to create tunnels. You can't explain yeah. what's going on in, in some of the Adirondacks because I know we would be finding these tunnels. We would be finding these holes. We would be finding mm-hmm. those. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I do. I, what I think is is that they they stick. They actually stick a lot to the high ground in the day. And years ago, I, I don't know if you're familiar with a gentleman by the name of Scott Harriet. He was a Bigfoot researcher. Uh, doesn't do it so much anymore, but. He had gotten the bug uh, quite a bit, and he took a, ca- a guy with a video camera out into the woods, and he got what appears to be a video of one kind of just sleeping under a log. Um, and you actually see this head move, and you see some eyes blinking at you. Looked very interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think they they hide using the lowlands a lot of time when they're – you know, when you're out looking for them and it's nighttime and it's dusk, they're in the lowlands. But in the daytime, I think they find the high ground and they just knock out for the night, for the day, for the most part. Um, like any nocturnal creature, you know, there are daytime sightings. I've seen raccoons, I've seen porcupines, I've seen fisher cats all in the daytime. Um, so that, you know, that's not an oddity. So some people say, well, how can you explain they're around in the daytime if they're nocturnal. Well, we see nocturnal animals all the time in the daytime. Um, not true. so much, not often, but we do see them. So, um, uh, the the other the other point I guess I want to make too is uh, people talk about them burying their dead, and that doesn't hold weight either to me because if we they were burying their dead, then we would have uncovered their bodies when we were building stuff. You know, a lot of this ground here has been built up. Why haven't we found uh, uh, the yeah. skeletal remains of a Sasquatch? Well, I think, see, this uh, where I'll, I'll have to disagree with you on right. this one because, you know, the human, I mean, the human body 
if we're not putting a pie in box, we're biodegradable. You know, they, but our they, but our bones are not. That's our true. Bones that's are that's not. another reason why I think that's another reason why I think they do bury their dead. Well, the thing is, is and I've talked to anthropologists about this, is that if they buried their dead, we would be finding their bones. End of story. Because why did we Who, bury our dead? Who's to say we haven't, though? Who's to say we haven't? Maybe they, I mean, you know, we're doing this out of out, out of, of passion and our own pocket. But I do believe but, that there are people that are assigned to this kind of stuff. Who's to say that you know people haven't found? And I've talked to individuals who's found bones. Right. But what I what so, I, I guess what I'm getting at is. Why did we bury our dead? Because if we stink after a while. No, we we buried and tradition our dead. and religion and all that kind of stuff. We buried our dead to preserve the bodies. Because there was a body to preserve. That's why they mummified the Egyptians mummified their pharaohs. That's why they started burying dead was to preserve their bones, to preserve their body, to Create something sacred, perhaps. And most religions have actual- a resurrection type scenario as well. Right, right. In actuality, it makes a lot more sense to me, anyway, that if if a animal or a creature goes in the most remote area to die, which a lot of them, you know, do when they're old, they they disappear. I remember I had a cat that was on death's death's bed, you know, about twelve years ago, and this cat. Went behind the couch. Didn't want to be around anybody. It wanted to hide, to die. Yeah. And um, what happens is, is that you have nature's vacuum cleaner. Raccoons eat bones. Um, feral hogs eat bones. Well, actually, hogs will eat bones. Bears will eat yeah. bones. You know, dogs will chew on them. So coyotes, wolves. So there is a a natural vacuum cleaner. That can explain why there's no bones. Yeah. You know, but, you know, and I would like to think that, you know, if a scientist found a dig and they said, hey, we got bones here, wouldn't that scientist, if they found the first Sasquatch bone, be like, wow, I, I categorized the first Sasquatch bone. So either one, they cataloged it somewhere as an unknown, or two, they haven't recovered a bone. The thing about, you know, well, they they know, and there's people out there who say, well, they know what they are, and they probably have skeletons, and they just don't want them to come public. I don't think so, because science is a very, um, if you ever watched, I, I believe the name of the movie was, um, was it Lions at the Gate? Not Enemies at the Gate, but Lions at the Gate. It was an HBO movie. It starred Alan Alda and Matthew Modine, and it was about the discovery of the the AIDS virus. And there was a huge battle between the the CDC and the French scientists going back and forth, you know, to try to be the first one to to claim the virus to say, hey, this is this is what it is, right. You know, everybody yeah. in academia is very braggadocious, but right, exactly. With that, be, with that being said, elephants. Um, there's some uh, form of canids that have their own burial grounds, or they'll go there. The, the elephants have their own family plots, 
So just like you said, they'll go to a, their own private place to die. Who's to say that they don't go into some cave system to die? And another another reason why I do believe the whole burial thing is me growing up in Oklahoma, I've just been inundated with Choctaw and Chickasaw legends to which, you know, if you put those in the application, a lot of them ring true. And they both those tribes who have nothing to do with each other, by the way, you know, they're not very big fans of one another for whatever reason. Their identification of this creature, they both say that they do have burial grounds. Agreed, but mm-hmm. don't forget, there is something, and, and and this is something that I have to be very cognizant of, even as a researcher, and we should all be cognizant, that there is a fair amount, a degree of what they call uh, anthropodism. Anthropodism. And anthropodism is the ability to, for us, to give human-like characteristics to other creatures. Right. Um, So we got to be careful that that's not, well, right. They don't want to, they don't want to, you know, they bury their dead. Well, why do they bury their dead? Well, it's because what we do. So you have to, you have to be, you know, and like I said, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Indian legends that are Native American legends. Pardon me. I, I don't want to offend anybody by saying Indian. Yeah. Um, but, um, well, I'm from Oklahoma, man. A lot of them prefer Indian, honestly. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a okay, there's a lot of Aboriginal North American or Aboriginal people North American legends that will state that a Sasquatch has kidnapped their females and their children. Mm-hmm. Now, is that true? And what I've learned from talking to some of the uh, Native Americans is is that a lot of them believe, now that we've come into the 21st century, that what mm-hmm. that probably was was urban legend. And every urban mm-hmm. legend is steeped in a moral lesson. For example, the couple that parks in the graveyard and uh, you you'll hear this story no matter what and you know I remember as a kid hearing this well this happened at Oakwood Cemetery and that's a remote cemetery up in our geographical area where I went to school and they said yeah they this teenage couple parked here and they they heard this tapping on the top of their car and they looked and it was blood and there was a guy hanging from a tree dead under the well everybody has a similar legend and all these little communities, urban communities, about the cemetery being haunted, and there was this couple. And the moral of that lesson was, you know, guys and girls should not be in the cemeteries making out. That's verboten. They shouldn't be doing that. They create this story to scare them out of there. Well, the, yeah, well, the my, my only thing with that, and, and I understand what you're saying, my only gripe with that is there was over, what, four or 500 different tribes? 80% of those cannot communicate with each other whether they wanted to or not because they have their own distinct languages. Yet, yeah. out of that 80% of them that can't communicate with each other, 95% of them have the same exact legends of these creatures. That's that's what we as, you know, detectives would call non-corroborating parties giving the same evidence. You know? Right, yeah. but but the, the my my whole point being is Right, I, I would agree with that, 
I but love you, Steve. I you're, ever, you're ever the perspective. You're not gonna, you're not gonna sign, co-sign for anything unless you can like reach out and put your hand on it. I, I, that's what I respect. Right. <laughs> what, what, what I I would say there is that you know what's entirely possible that, that they may have at one point or they may. But what what I think is is that there probably was some intermingling of the tribes. Remember, at the very bare root of people that inhabited. North America all came from the same place. Over years they broke up, but they all came from the same place. So we don't know prehistory how far that legend came down the line. True. Yeah. You know, so so if were old, came, so a lot of them were oral histories, you know, they were passed right, right, right. Word by word so, of mouth. So there's nothing you can go and look and say, Okay, this is dated this year. Right. So that that could you know even though these tribes may have never talked to each other that's in the known history. Let's go back a thousand years when everybody was in Pangaea and they walked over the land bridge, uh, over the uh, you know over the land bridge through the Bering Strait down into North America. You know yeah. those legends came with them. So this legend it, may have actually right, originated. It, in, you're right. It, you it, it's, it's very interesting. And all we can do is try to put the and I don't believe we've been and, given all the pieces. And 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 I'm I'm going to give you a little bit of, in the primate research I know, something is very common to primates, and this is a common primate behavior, with the exception of some rarities, it is very unusual for a primate of one species to attack a primate of another species. There are some exceptions. For example, there are some chimpanzees that have attacked monkeys. And go after monkeys. There are some, there are some people, uh, you know, that attack monkeys and eat their brains. We know that, but there are exceptions, and for the most part, it's taboo. Think about the guttural reaction you see when you see a poached gorilla on television. Everybody feels horrible. That's how can somebody do that? It's, it's incorrigible. So that is what's ingrained in our heads. That's why. Eating a monkey is disgusting to most of us. Mm-hmm. So, given that, given that realm, that's why this type of legend does not necessarily make sense to me. And you, being the victim of a bluff charge yourself, you can understand why yeah. I see the legends don't necessarily. I do. You know. I do. Corroborate. You know, and the experiences. And just to tell your audience who who aren't familiar with me, like I go into it. A little bit different than than most uh, field investigators for this subject. I, I look I look at it as a missing person. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking for a specific person with specific attributes, and I think when doing that, instead of just an all encompassing, oh well, we're going to look for Bigfoot, let's look for this and that. When you don't bog your mind down and okay, where's the structures? Where's the tree breaks? Where's the tree twist? If you are looking for something with specific attributes, I think that opens your your, your spectrum up to a little bit broader of, of an understanding of what you're going after. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I agree. You know, people would sit there and argue with me that I'm narrowing my search. Actually, by by embracing science and what we know about known animals, and actually widening my search, I'm just feathering out all the you know the wheat from the shaft. You know, and that's yeah, exactly that's right. And you know, like tree bends, they annoy me that to no end 
because I'll see a picture on Facebook and somebody will say, look at this, and there's a tree bent over. Well, it makes you think a Sasquatch did that. People don't understand that it takes weeks for that. A Sasquatch just can't take a tree and bend it, and it's bent. It's going to go right back up. It has to be held down for weeks so it can grow into that form. And the most common explanation for those tree bends are ice storms, at least in the, nor- in, in the northern part of the country. I've got tree bends in my yard. It's not from a Sasquatch. It's because we have ice storms or snowfall that, you know, weighs the tree down. There's also tree fall that makes the tree come down, and it's held there for a while. And after a while, a tree that fell rotted, and it's no longer there, and this tree has this natural formation. So there's a lot of real-world explanations, but we're grasping, you know, the people that, that go after structures and tree structures and stick structures you know there's only one time really that really perked my eyes up was a, a, a stick structure and they were stacked around one little tree and they were all stacked up and it was right after a bigfoot sighting um that was the only thing i could really put my finger on anything else anything i see i see x formations and all this stuff i'm like right. why do people you know this could be just, just natural. too easy to attribute to. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's too easy to attribute to something natural. You know, right. um, I like to, to to bring it back to being a little bit more conclusive. That's too speculatory. You know what I mean? Like, I can sit there and stare at a bunch of sticks that are in Nepal forever and take pictures and put them online. But what does that do? You know what I mean? Like, it, don't get me wrong. That could be used to further an investigation. But right. I don't think that you can, you know, stop stop there and, like, put all your oh well, look at these sticks they have to be you know and, and they're in this different order they couldn't have happened naturally that may be so but what does that do for you in 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 your investigation you know yeah well right and and just a final note on this because it's getting close to the end of the night already how quick this uh, goes by yeah um you know we forget the basics show me a bunch of tree breaks at the six foot level showing a path that's hunting, tracking yeah. basics. We have exactly. let go of that. We have let go of that for the most part, and we've mitigated ourselves to looking around for tree bends and breaks and stick structures rather than looking for where a very large creature has walked through the forest like a tracker or a hunter would do. And that's completely or, or, a good, or a good field investigator because, exactly. as you know, being, being the, the squash detective, and that's why, you know, I, I appreciate what you bring to the field because you bring that detective's eye. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people are inundating themselves in that they're hunting an animal, but we don't know where the humanoid upright being starts and the beast of the field, this this hair-covered creature yeah. stops, you know? So right. I just look at it like a, a big missing person. And you, what you just said exactly. is the most critical thing in the world. You know, we we can't confine ourselves in any way because we're already at a disadvantage. Anybody who's in this thing, in my opinion, is in a, is at a disadvantage because they are the masters of their environment, hands down. I I mean, we are we are the alphas on this planet for a reason, and people want to relegate and and they create their own handicap by saying, oh, these things. No, I, I, the reason why I've had so much experience with them is because I've learned a couple of things. And Autumn Williams, longtime investigator, once told me that you have to let them feel in control. And she was absolutely right. right. 
And that's why I let them come to me. I let their curiosity, because that's another primate trait, let them say hi to me instead of me trying to go hunt them down. Exactly. But anyway, but D, before we go, we got got a few (laughs) minutes left. Why don't you throw uh, some ways people can reach out to you and uh, your YouTube channel and all that wonderful stuff? Absolutely. You can reach us at um, BigfootDogManResearch at gmail.com. Or my other, uh, this is my personal email, ddos, D-E-E-D-O-S-S-1-3 at gmail.com. We have our Facebook page, which is just simply the BDRP, and also our YouTube channel, which is the BDRP. Awesome, sir. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was just going to throw out a quick invite. I want both of you gentlemen, whenever you have time, you can coordinate or whatever. I want you on the show because we got to continue this conversation. We felt like we just got started. I could go another two hours. Uh, it goes by <laughs> every time we get a good conversation. It goes by wicked fast. Yeah. So, um, but uh, we didn't even but, have a chance to get in the dog man tonight, man. I know, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, but um, but anyway, I want again thanks, Steve, for coming on. I'll be in touch, my brother. We'll we'll absolute, do this again. Absolute, my real pleasure. Soon. My pleasure. So. And uh, Chris, it was any nice parting you thoughts, too, bro? And uh, Chris, any uh, Chris, any parting thoughts before we head out? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd just like to thank uh, Dee for coming on. You've been a great guest, man, and uh, thank everybody for joining us and listening. Appreciate it. That's right, folks. And hey, uh, we'll be back again at you next Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, here on Squatch Detective Radio. Uh, com, Squatch Detective or uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Squatch Detective and of course uh, on behalf of everybody here we want to wish everybody a happy healthy week keep on squatching God bless and we'll catch you all on the flip side thank you for listening to Squatch Detective Radio join us each week on Blog Talk Radio Sundays at 9pm Eastern as your hosts veteran Bigfoot researchers Steve Cowles and Chris Bennett bring you guests from around North America exploring the mystery of the beast known as Bigfoot.